Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you for uh, coming and showing up early this morning. Um, today, we're going to talk about uh, the AWS CLI. Um, I'm Leo Jadnovsky. I'm a principal solutions architect uh, here at uh, Amazon Web Services. And so let's kind of uh, just talk about the agenda and what we're going to cover today. So first, we're going to talk about some basics, how to install the CLI, how to do some basic configuration on the CLI, and the basic syntax of the CLI. And then we're going to talk about some more foundational knowledge. So how to establish different profiles if you have multiple AWS accounts or multiple roles uh, or multiple sets of credentials within one account, uh, what environment variables there are and what, why they matter, uh, and roles, how to, how to switch roles to do the CLI. Then we're going to talk about some more advanced functionality. We're going to talk about how to query and filter the output from the CLI. And we are going to talk about how to use MFA tokens uh, with the CLI. And lastly, the S3 commands uh, uh, of the CLI. So how to do S3 syncs, how to do copies, what's the difference between them. So the CLI is a unified tool to manage your AWS services. So back in the day, originally, um, the first AWS CLI was a bunch of separate Java commands. I don't know if any of you remember that, but it was a bunch of different commands that you ran uh, depending on what you were doing. Uh, and there's different CLIs for different services. Now it's much more unified. Um, so you basically install the CLI and you can, you can use it with the vast majority of our services. So it's much easier to install, much easier to use, much easier to make sure you have the latest one. So let's talk about the basics here. Oh, I don't know what's that. Not sure what's going on with the music there. One second. Sorry for the technical difficulties there. I wonder if it's my laptop. I just unplugged mine for the HDMI. It's like, oh, it's from this. Whose is that? Like, oh. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. All right. I think we fixed the, sorry about the musical uh, interlude there. All right. So, uh, yeah. So, as part of the basics, uh, we are going to talk about, uh, let's talk about how to set up the CLI. Uh, set up the credentials for the CLI, what configuration files uh, are part of the uh, uh, configuring the CLI, and the syntax, and how to use the help command, which is super important. So uh, first of all, uh, the CLI is Python-based. Uh, it's based on Boto Core, uh, which is a, a s simplified uh, version of Boto, which is our Python uh, SDK. Um, so you need either Python 2 or Python 3. Uh, the CLI works on Windows, Linux, Mac OS, uh, and other uh, types of Unix. Uh, there's different installation options out there. Um, I usually install it through virtual env and pip. Uh, and that's, if you're using pip, I recommend using virtual env to make the dependencies simpler. Uh, there's also a bundled installer, uh, so, which has all the dependencies in it. 
And uh, there's also an MSI version for Windows that you can install pretty easily. Uh, so let's take a look at, assuming you're using pip, how to install it. So to install the CLI, you just do pip install either by CLI. It's pretty simple. To update the CLI, uh, you just do pip install either by CLI minus minus upgrade. Uh, now, it's gonna, it gets updated pretty often. So just about any time we have a new feature release, um, so not even just a new service, but something comes out, let's say, for uh, RDS, right? the CLI gets updated pretty quickly. So you're going to be running this command a lot. Uh, if you want to check what version of the CLI you have, you just do AWS minus minus version. Uh, that's important because if you'll read our docs, you'll see you know, this command only works in this version of the CLI or above. And if you want to remove the CLI, you just do pip uninstall AWS CLI. So OK, so now you've got the CLI installed. What do you do next? Well, you configure it to work with your AWS account. So the most basic way to do that is you've got your access key ID and your secret access key ID, right? So you went into the IAM console, uh, and then you configured yourself an IAM user, and you created access keys for that user. And ideally, you've got like an IAM policy that's not, uh, you know, that's least privileges, so not admin unless you need it to be admin, all that good stuff. And so you type in AWS configure, you type in your, uh, your key uh, and your secret access key, and then you're going to pick a default region. So in this case, I'm picking US East 1. Uh, so that is the um, Northern Virginia region, but you can pick whatever region you want. And then you pick the default output format. So I'll talk about what output formats there are available. But uh, in general, uh, I mean, I, here, for this example, I'm using JSON. So there's two different configuration files that uh, control the CLI. The first one is the, in your .AWS folder, in your home directory, there's a credentials file. So that credentials file, you put your credentials in there, or if you do the AWS configure command, that's where it puts your credentials. And you, uh, it, you put those credentials in, and um, they're supported by all AWS SDKs. And then there's the AWS config file. So uh, this file can also contain your credentials. Uh, it's not supported by all AWS SDKs for, for uh, credentials, but most of them. Uh, and uh, some of the settings are only used by the CLI in this file, not, uh, not um, you know, uh, all the SDKs. <clears throat> so let's see what that looks like. Uh, in the credentials file, you just put the name of the profile, so in this case, production. You put your keys. The config file is slightly different. You put profile and then the name of the profile, and then your keys. Then you can do a bunch of other cool stuff in the config file. So you can pick your region that gets stored in the config file. You can have service-specific parameters. In this case, uh, I'm specifying like default roles for my Elastic MapReduce, um, the uh, logging URI, de debugging, my default key name, my key pair. So there's a few other services with specific parameters that you could specify here. Um, and also your output type goes in here. And again, you can have a different set of these. Uh, for each profile, and I'll, I'll show you that in a little bit here. So the basic syntax. Uh, so basically, you put, type in AWS, right, the name of the uh, CLI. Then you type in the name of the service that you're using, so that's the command. And then you type in uh, the subcommand, so in this case, described instances. And then sometimes you have flags, right, to, uh, for, for some greater specificity there. So another example, here I'm listing my access keys 
for all my IAM users. So AWS IAM, which is the, uh, the command, and list access keys, which is the subcommand. Uh, now, there's a lot of commands and a lot of subcommands, and we're adding more all the time. So there's no way you're going to remember all of them. So you might wonder, how do I figure out what to do here? Well, there's this help command, and it's really awesome. So you can type in help in any command or subcommand, and it gives you the man page. And it gives, the man page gives you the syntax, uh, the expected return, uh, examples. And again, you can do this for any command or any subcommand. So you can do, for example, EC2 help, and it'll list all the subcommands that you can do. You can do EC2 describe instances help. So this is going to tell me how to use the describe instances subcommand. So let's see what that looks like here. So here's a little video of my terminal. Uh, so in this case, I'm typing EC2 help. I got the man page. It's showing me all the available commands. Now let's take a look at the uh, subcommand help page here. So in this case, yeah, it shows me a detailed breakdown of what uh, every flag is, um, examples here, the actual skeleton of the command, and what's expected. Um, so anything you need to know about any subcommand is right at your fingertips. So let's go on to uh, some foundation knowledge here. So the first thing is, what's the precedence for configuration settings, right? So you've got multiple config files. You've got other things. So the, f the first in line for precedence is a command line option. So region, the output format, and your profile, they can all be specified as command line options, uh, and they override the default settings. And they will override the default settings only for that execution of the command. They don't get saved. Then you've got your environment variables. So you can specify access key ID, secret key, other things. We'll go through all the uh, variables. Uh, but those, those are the next line in precedence. And uh, it used to be like uh, before you could switch profiles on the CLI, um, you would do this. Like I used a little um, utility which basically swapped out my environment variables when I switched accounts. But you don't need to do that specific thing anymore. Uh, then there's the credentials file. So that's the file we talked about earlier. Um, this can contain multiple profiles in addition to a default profile. So if you call your profile default, you don't have to do a minus minus profile. It will just assume you're using that one. Then we've got the config file. So again, this can also have a default profile, name profiles, and those specific uh, CLI options that we talked about earlier. Um, and then your container credentials. So if you're running an ECS uh, cluster, so our Elastic Container Service or EC2 Container Service, um, that has a feature called um, you, can, you can have roles, which we'll talk about those in a second, too. But you can assign a role to your tasks or such to your containers. And so if you have that, that those uh, uh, credentials are next in line. And actually, we skipped over one here. But the last in line is actually your instance role. So the instance role, uh, so that's when your instance actually has a role, it gets um, automatic credentials through uh, through the simple token service or security token service. Uh, and so those are last in line in terms of precedence. So, okay, as uh, most of our customers, um, as they grow their footprint in AWS and mature, they eventually end up with multiple AWS accounts. Aside from multiple AWS accounts, even if you have one account, you probably want more than one AM user role. So, um, you know, you might have a user for billing, you probably you don't want any shared credentials anyway, so you want a different user at least for every actual 
uh, user. You might have like a role for billing, read-only. Um, so it's actually probably, I think it's best practice when you set up an AWS account to set up like, think about what roles do I want, right? So like uh, what, um, you know, do I, I probably want a read-only, a billing, admin, power user, uh, and every AWS account. And then you probably want users to, uh, if you're not using roles. So anyway, you've got multiple IAM users. How do you switch them on your CLI? So first of all, you want to put their credentials in your credentials file and just label them with each, uh, give them each a profile name. And then uh, in the AWS config file, you, uh, you put the other options aside from the credentials. So the region, the output, any service specific options there. And then to use that profile, you just uh, put in a minus minus profile at the end of your command or at the end of your subcommand. And that specifies which profile you're using and executes it with uh, those credentials. Um, so, yeah, that's, it, it, that's pretty simple. I'll show you how to use MFA with that as well soon. Um, so let's talk about some environment variables. I'm not gonna go through all of these, but the access key and secret access key, those are obviously your credentials, so you can store those in an environment variable. Uh, your default region and output are in there. Your profile's in there. Uh, you can specify an alternate config file as well through your environment variables. Uh, how did I use my environment variables? So, uh, again, I'm assuming Bash for, for Linux, Mac OS, and Unix, but uh, you basically do an export space name of the variable equals value of the variable, and in Windows you do a set. So you do set uh, name variable equals value of variable. So let's talk about the command line options here. So there's profile, so you can specify the profile as I just mentioned. Um, if you don't put anything, it just uses the default profile. You can specify a region. Uh, if you don't put anything, it defaults to your default region that's in your uh, settings. The output format, so we'll talk about that, but the options are JSON, table, and text. And the endpoint URL. So you might be wondering, well, like, why do I need to change the endpoint URL? Well, there's several use cases. An example. Uh, our Snowball service, so Snowball is the service where you get a physical device, so you want to copy a bunch of data uh, out of your data center into S3. So we send you like a physical device called a Snowball, and you copy your data onto it. So there's the one way to copy onto it is it has an S3 endpoint. So it acts like you're talking to S3. So you can use any S3 utility, including the AWS CLI talk to it. So you'd send the endpoint URL instead of talking to the default S3 endpoint URL. Uh, you talk to your Snowball and um, that, that's how you uh, set that up through this uh, command line option here. And just reiterating, anything you set here, it doesn't get saved in any config files, it's only valid for that execution of the command. So let's talk about how to use roles. So before we do that, let's just kind of recap what a role is. Uh, so a role is a set of permissions, so IAM policies essentially, uh, that is granted to an, a trusted entity. Uh, so you can, uh, roles can be assumed by IAM users, by applications, or by AWS services like EC2. You'll notice if you use some of our services, when you first set them up, it actually asks you to create a role to allow that service to use another service in your account. Um, so in this case, what we care about is IAM users. So one way to do this is, let's say I have an IAM user, and my, but my IAM user, all it can do is assume a role. And so the use case for that is, if I just use my default credentials, I can't do much, right? And then I can assume a role that puts me into a read-only role. 
So I can use that role to describe instances, or like if I do a security audit or something. Then I can also switch to a power user role, so I can spin up instances. Then I can switch to an admin role, so I can modify IM users and other IM settings, right? So uh, I, the IM roles are also good for uh, if you need to talk across services, if you need temporary access uh, to something, so you can use the um, security token service for that. If you need to assume a role across accounts, so you can have a role in, in one, uh, you can have your IM user in one account assume a role in another account. So for example, if you need to write to an S3 bucket in a uh, third party account that they've granted you access to. Also, if you use identity federation, so if you're um, uh, federating through like a partner like Okta or through ADFS, you're going in through a role. So the benefits of roles are there's no sharing of secrets. You don't have a set of static credentials, right? So um, it uses STS and you basically get a rotated credential. Uh, so if you have an instance running with a role, for example, you can avoid having to store any IM keys uh, in your uh, code or, or in any config files. Uh, so that's awesome, that's a really big thing I see is like people accidentally posting their keys to uh, a Git public Git repository and that helps you avoid that. Uh, it also gives you a lot of control. So if you need to revoke uh, credentials, right? let's say you have a set of st static IM keys, you can revoke those IM keys then you have to go into every single instance and every single laptop and everywhere you got that key and you have to cycle it. And that's gonna cause downtime and it's gonna cause a lot of pain. If you use an IAM role, you just revoke the role. It immediately, everything that's using that role uh, stops getting access to it. And then you, know, you can also, you can swap out, for example, if you have a running instance, um, you can swap, you can change what roles are assigned to it so you can have another role. So it's just much less painful. So let's take a look, first of all, uh, this is the IAM console. Um, so I've got a, uh, a role called marketing admin. So this role gives me full access to S3 because uh, I'm a marketing person, so I need to be able to, I have a bunch of uh, static microsites in S3, so I need to be able to edit them. I need to be able to see everything, but I don't need to be able to spin up instances or do, uh, really spin up any kind of compute, right? So um, the way I would configure that to actually use that from the CLI is in your AWS config file, uh, there actually should be a space between the profile and the marketing admin, sorry about that. Uh, but you have a profile marketing admin. You put in the role ARN, and so the ARN you get that from, there's a CLI command for it too, but if you're in the web console, you see that line up above here. Um, so you, you get it from uh, where it says role ARN, you just copy and paste it there. And then you put your source profile. So the source profile in this case is default, so that's where you have to assume into the role, right? So you have to have a set of initial credentials, an IAM user, that you're using to assume into that role. Uh, so that's what that is. So let's talk about the output types. Uh, so uh, JSON, right? Is, uh, I like to make this my default. It's easy to read. Uh, it's easy to parse programmatically if you're doing some scripting. Show you in a second how to do some parsing of that. Then there's text. Um, so this might be useful for some use cases too. It's uh, tab delimited. Uh, and table, so you get a table that is also a lot easy, more easily readable. So you, you can pick which one you want. Uh, so another thing that's cool here so is tab completion. So I use this all the time. Uh, again, there's a lot of commands, a lot of subcommands, and I don't always like know what they are, they get updated. So what you can do is you can type in AWS, 
hit a space, hit tab, it shows you all the available options. You can tip in your command, hit tab, shows you all the available subcommands. So it's a really good way for not having to memorize all this stuff. Uh, so if, you're, if you've used you know, bash, for example, it's tab completion as well. So uh, you just have to, this isn't on by default. Uh, you have to enable this. So to enable this, you just do, you find out where the AWS completer command is, and that, that gets installed as part of the AWS CLI install. And uh, by the way, uh, with these slides, you're gonna, this video is going to be on YouTube, and the slides are going to be available as well. Um, so just in case you're taking pictures, feel free to, but we'll also give you a copy of the slides. Um, so then you write in uh, this complete command, and that turns on the actual uh, tab completion. Again, I'm assuming bash here, but if you go to our docs, it shows you how to do it with other shells as well. So another thing that's pretty cool is that this is an AWS shell. So you can get it at the GitHub repo. It's an official AWS supported thing. So if you see what I'm doing here is it actually auto-completes everything. So not only does it give me tab completion, but I actually get instance IDs. So it's actually talking to my AWS again. So in this uh, example, I am uh, describing some instances. And so instead of having to like, go to the web uh, console and look at my instance IDs, it fills all the options in there, and I can select them and uh, it'll give me the output then. Uh, so another thing that I wanted to show you is uh, Bastion hosts, right? So again, if I have an IAM role, what I can do is, uh, instead of having a set of uh, static IAM credentials for myself, I can have an EC2 instance. Uh, that EC2 instance can have a role. That role can give it uh, access to do stuff with the with the our SDKs and our, our I mean our APIs, and so uh, I can have a role assigned to that. So I don't have to have a set of set of credentials. So let me switch over to my laptop here, and I will show you how this works. Okay, so I'm going to go to the uh, EC2 tab here. So uh, I've got an, I've got an instance running, but this is just a regular. Uh, EC2 instance, uh, here we go, it's a bash, my Bastion instance. Uh, it is running Amazon Linux, uh, nothing really special here. So what I'm gonna show you is, um, let me actually first just SSH into it. So, one second here. Okay, so here's my terminal window. Uh, is the font size good for everyone here? Should I make it bigger? Bigger, okay. Hopefully you can see that a little bit better. Okay, so I'm gonna SSH uh, into this instance. Oh. oh, I think I need to open up a new window here. One second. All right, so I'm in my instance. So before I start running commands, though, let me show you what I have it set up as. So I've just got my key pair on here. So uh, it's just Leo ZH, so it's my key pair that I've imported. More importantly, I have an IAM role here. So I have this Bastion IAM role. So let's take a look at this role. So right now, uh, I only have one policy on here. So it's the S3, uh, it's a managed, either it's managed policy, it's the S3 read-only access policy. So I should be able to, like, uh, you know, uh, for example, describe my, uh, through here, I should be able to describe my S3 buckets. So let's, let's try it out. So, and again, I've got the CLI installed on here. I actually don't have any credentials set up on here, right, because it's using the role. So, okay, so I did that. 
there we go. There are my S3 buckets. That worked. But let's try something else now. Let's just make sure this works. Let's try describing EC2 instances. Nope. Uh, I might specify a region. Okay, let's do that. It's because I don't have a config file, right? So it's not going to know what I assume. You are not authorized to perform this operation. So let's see how quickly it kicks in. So I'm going to add a read-only policy uh, to this role. So we're going to go to read-only. We're going to search for the policy. Here we go, read-only access. So this is just a general, like this will give me read-only access to basically everything. So, okay, so I've added it. So it's only been a few seconds. Let's see, can I run the same command again? And will it work? Yep, there he goes. It's pretty quick. This is pretty cool. All right, so let me switch back to my slide deck here. So let's talk about some more uh, advanced functionality now. So MFA, so multi-factor authentication, right? This is super useful. Um, before I talk about how to do a th MFA, let's talk about why. Uh, so. I hope a lot of you are already using MFA tokens for um, the for your web console access. Basically, the advantage of multi-factor authentication, right, is uh, you provision a token. It could be a soft token, like you. There's a lot of apps out there for Androids, iPhones, uh, so on, uh, to do that. Um, you could get a hard token, so that looks a little bit like the hard tokens look like this, so just a hardware token. So the main difference between the hard token and soft token is the, with the soft token, you get a QR code to register it. So theoretically, if you take a picture of that QR code, you could clone it on multiple software devices. Um, if you have a hard token, you can't clone it. Um, so w the general guidance is if you, for your, not your IM keys, but for your like root access, so your email address and password, that login, you should have a hardware token for that and you should have it locked in a safe. And ideally you have a um, separation of duties for how to access it. So one person has access to the safe in your organization, one person has access to uh, your actual uh, username and password. So you need a quorum to log in. Because ideally you're never gonna really use that um, that those root credentials, uh, there's very few things that you actually need them for. Uh, so anyway, when you go to the web console and you have MFA turned on for your IM user, it just pops up with a question in there. It says, okay, do you want, you know, enter your MFA token. That's great. Uh, but how do I do this with a CLI, right? And uh, what if I like have a script that I can't put in my MFA all the time? So first of all, um, you can enable uh, MFA through the CLI. So the first thing you need to do is it, the, when, when you set up a role, in the role you have a trust relationship. So the trust relationship is basically defining what can assume that role. So is it like EC2 that's assuming my role? Is it another user that's assuming my role? So in this case, my, this is uh, the policy I'd have for my trust relationship. So my IM user can assume that role. That's what it's saying. And it's also saying it can only do that if a multi-factor authentication is present. So if I've used the MFA token, it will let me assume that role. And so let's say I'm assuming a billing role here. Um, I've got, in my config file, I've got defined the role that I'm actually assuming, the source profile, and the only thing I've added now is the serial number of my MFA. How do I get that? So 
First, you create yourself an MFA. You sync it with your device. You activate it. Then if you're in your web console, you go to your uh, IM user, and you'll see the assigned MFA device. And so you copy and paste the RN out of there into your config file. Or since this is a CLI talk, you don't want to do this through the web console. You can use this command. So IM list MFA devices, and then you put the user, and then it gives you the serial number of your MFA token. So let's, let's walk through a demo of that now. So uh, I've got uh, my phone here. Uh, I've got uh, my, I'm using Authy in this case. So I've got my app here. Uh, and so uh, let's check this out. So what I'm going to do is let me actually show you how I have this set up. So I'm going to tail my config file here, or my my config file. Well, actually, let me get out of this instance. Okay, so I've actually got two roles here, right? Uh, I have one that's billing and one that's admin. Um, so the billing one can only like essentially read into my account as read-only access, and the admin one is an admin, so it can do anything. So let's take a look at these roles. Uh, so here we go. I have it up here. Um, one second here. Uh, okay, so this is my admin role. So this is a role. Uh, it's got the administrator access managed policy that just basically gives me uh, access to everything. And I've got a trust relationship here. So, let's, so if you look at the trust relationship, it's trusting my IAM user, which only has access to assume these two roles. It can't do anything else. Uh, and again, it has this boot condition uh, that MFA has to be present. Uh, and I've got the same thing. I've got a, a billing here. So billing has read-only access. Uh, but the same exact trust relationship. So, okay, so let's see how this works. So I'm going to go to my terminal window. And I'm going to try to assume my billing role. So AWS S3 LS minus minus profile reinvent dash billing. Oh, it wants me to access my MFA code. So let's do that. So I've entered my MFA code. And there we go. Uh, we've got my S3 buckets. Now, you might ask, like, uh, it's kind of annoying, right? I have to enter my MFA code all the time. But you don't. It actually caches it. So if I run this again, it's not going to ask me again for a while. Um, now, let's say I want to switch over to my, my admin role. So I'm going to do admin. And uh, let's see. Let's say I, I'm going to do an operation that's not a read operation. Let's, let's make a bucket. So I'm just writing the command in to make a bucket. Test bucket. So that's going to have me enter my MFA code again because I'm switching profiles. So let me, let me do that. Yep, there we go. We made a bucket. So highly encourage you to use this. Uh, it is a super useful option. So let's talk about querying and filtering. Let's say you've got 
you're running some CLI command and you expect a lot of results. You've got like an S3 bucket with thousands, hundreds of thousands of objects in it. What do you do there, right? So there's two different things you can do. So the first thing is filter. Uh, so when you filter, that is a server-side command, so all the actual stuff is going on on our end. Uh, it is not available for every subcommand. It is only available for certain subcommands, like list and describe. Again, if you do the help, it'll tell you if it's actually available or not. Um, you should use this if you're expecting a large amount of items, like more than 1,000 as a return, because then you're not actually using like, your, your device, your laptop, or whatnot uh, to actually do that filtering, which is nice. And there's also a page size option. So the page size just uh, paginates the output, right? So it's not all one big blob. Um, then there's a the query. So query is done client side. The nice thing about query is it is available in all subcommands. So you can do it in everything. And it uses the James Path query language, which I will talk about in a second. So let's take a look at some examples here. Uh, here I'm describing instances, and I'm filtering by T2 micros. So I only want T2 micros, so it's going to do that server side, uh, and it's going to just give me all my T2 micros in exchange. Now before we go into querying, one other thing that I want to mention was aliases. So again, this is in our AWS Labs repo, AWS uh, CLI aliases. So you can actually set up aliases that in the background run like more complicated commands, uh, but you, so you, you don't have to remember long commands. So um, if you use this, you can do things like AWS who am I, and it um, uh, shows you who your user is, or list the Amazon Linux AMIs, right? Uh, now, so um, it comes with a bunch of predefined aliases, but you can define your own on top of that. So it's pretty cool. So if you want to, for example, have an alias for like some query or, or filter that you do all the time, you can put that in there. Um, so let's take a look at querying. So here I'm not querying. I'm just listing all my IAM users. So I've got all this output. But let's say I want to narrow it down a little bit. I don't need all this stuff. I don't need the path, for example. So here I'm going to query. Again, this is using James path. I want all the users, but I only wanted to return the username when the user was created when their password was last used, then there aren't. So it's going to filter down to only those four attributes that I care about. Here, let's say I want to describe all of my instances, but I only want to see the state that they're running in. So in this case, I see, I mean, this actually isn't super useful because it's not giving me the instance ID, but I can see which of my instances are stopped and which of mine are running. Now, if you don't want to, if you want to kind of test this out before running an actual command, there's this thing called James Path Terminal where you can test this out. So let me show you a demo of that. <coughs> so if you just search for James Path Terminal on Google, I'll have a slide up with actual uh, URL in a second, how to do it. But so the way the James Path works um, is, uh, so first of all, you probably want to put your, so I have a file with the output of, this is, I did describe instances, and I, I just exported it to a file, right? So this is my, the output of my whole described instances call. And, oops, sorry. Uh, so I'm going to run JP term, and you can just run it by itself, but I'm going to prime it with my instances.json. So it's got my input here. And uh, what I can actually do is, let me just find the command here, one second. 
Okay, so I'm going to put in a query here. Uh, so I'm going to put in, I want to filter this by, again, the state name. So as soon as I put it in, it gives me the output without actually running any CLI commands, which is super nice. Um, let's say I don't want the state name, but I want the code. Right, so I can do that. So it gives me the code. Uh, let's see, I want the, let's say I want the instance ID. It's gonna give me all the instance IDs. So it's just a really easy way to play around with James Path uh, while not risking you know, running a bad uh, command, although it is just a filter. But if you're writing a shell script or something, this is super useful. So let's switch back to my screen here. So uh, again, uh, there's a really good tutorial on the James Path website. So uh, it goes through a lot more examples than I did here, if you want to learn how to use that. The James Path terminal that I just showed you is on GitHub. So again, super easy to install. Let's go through another thing. So again, if, um, if I'm scripting, if I'm writing a script, there's certain commands or subcommands in uh, EC2, in the CLI, that require input. So for example, if I am running instance, I have to specify what AMI I'm running it as, what security groups it's in, uh, what, um, what the instance type is. So there's certain required parameters. So let's say I'm doing a script, making a script, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have to like manually put these parameters in every time. Like I know what my AMI is and all this stuff. So one thing you can do is you can actually export the skeleton of the command um, into a file. So in this example, I'm running this generate CLI skeleton command. And so what it does is it shows me all the possible parameters for that uh, subcommand, and I'm sticking it in a JSON file called ec 2 runinstancesjson So then I'm going to edit that file. I'm going to delete all the lines I don't care about that I just want to leave at default, and I'm going to um, change the ones I do care about. So I'm specifying a, a key, uh, AMI ID, security groups, um, uh, instance type, and I want detailed monitoring in this case. And so another thing that's important is when you generate the file, it always turns dry run to true by default. So this is going to change it to false to actually make it happen. And so then instead of you know doing like minus minus instance ID and all this stuff, you do EC2 run instances, CLI input, uh, JSON, and then the path to the file, and it'll actually run it for you. So then you can just change the contents of that file or have multiple JSON files and use that in your scripting. So let's do a quick demo of that. All right, so uh, in this case, uh, so I'm going to, uh, here we go. So I've already, I, I'm going to run this command here. So one second. All right, so I'm generating my CLI skeleton. So let's do that. All right, so I've got the CLI skeleton. So this is like every option. And so if I wanted to run it, uh, let's see here, so. I'm going to edit it, 
And you only want to shave it down to what you care about. So here we don't care about the block mapping, so we're going to kill that whole section. Uh, so I'm going to put in my AMI ID. So to do that, I'm going to go here, go to uh, EC2. I'm going to pretend I'm launching an instance. And I just want the AMI ID, so I'm just running the default Amazon Linux AMI. So I'm going to paste that in here. Uh, I don't want an R4 in Excel, so I want like a, say, t2.micro. I don't care about this stuff. I do care about the key name, so I want to specify my key name, so I'm going to put in my key name here. I don't care about the min count, max count. I do care about the monitoring. I don't care about the placement groups. Uh, so security group IDs. So there's two of them. Uh, this is just if you're in a VPC, you want to specify the IDs. If you're not, you don't. So let, let's put in my security group ID here. I'm going to figure out. Uh, I'm going to go to security groups here. And uh, I want the bastion one. So I just need the security group ID. So I'm going to paste that in here. I want to do dry run false so that it actually runs. Yeah, so there's a lot of options here you can see. All right, so I'm doing this live, so let's see if this actually works. Uh, all right, so now I'm going to run the actual command. Looks like I messed up the security group ID. The security, oh, I know why. It's because I didn't specify my profile. So it's trying to go in my default account, which is a different one. So let's try it again. So again, I'm doing my reinvent admin profile. There we go. My instance is running. Uh, it took all my options, so just to make sure that that worked. Uh, let's go in here. Uh, so yeah, here we go. This instance is spinning up. Let's just double check that everything is fine. So it's got my Bastion security group. Uh, it's got my key pair. So it took all the options. So that's how that works. All right. So let's uh, talk about some S3 commands. So I use this all the time. Like in personally, like I have a bunch of I take pictures with my SLR, and it's like the thing I really care about backing up. I don't want to lose my photos. And so I just I sync all my photos up to an S3 bucket as a really simple backup solution. And I put in S3 in, in frequent access. And so there's two commands. There's the copy command. I mean, there's a lot more commands than those, but there's two that I want to highlight for you. And there's the sync command. So the copy command, uh, it just like CP in Linux, right? So you're just copying a file from a local uh, destination to a remote destination, in this case. And then there's a sync command. And sync command is it's an actual R, it's similar to rsync, right? So it does a sync. It's not just copying one file. You do a whole folder if you want. Um, important thing is it doesn't have to be like local to S3 or S3 to local. You can actually do this between two S3 buckets, assuming you have the right permissions. And so if you do that, it's really cool because it's not like copying the file from the S3 bucket down to your laptop 
back up to S3, it's doing a server-side copy in this case. Um, so it's going to be a lot faster. So again, you can do this for both uh, CP and sync. And let's just take a look at how the sync command works. Uh, so the syntax is, again, S3, sync, where you're copying from, where you're copying to, or where you're syncing to. And the way it works is, it's by default, it's multi-threaded. So it uses multi-part upload. So it's going to use up your whole connection, uh, your whole pipe, uh, when you do it. Uh, because if you just use one thread, it's, you know, if you have fast connection, it's not going to take advantage of all of it, because it's just hitting one S3 endpoint. Uh, so it's automatically going to break up large files into different parts. Uh, it is going to know, OK, there's a small file. I can just upload it in one part. Uh, it's going to know, oh, well, if you specify that option, this file exists or doesn't exist locally anymore, but still exists on my S3 bucket. So I'm actually going to delete it out of my S3 bucket, because this is a sync. So it figures all that stuff out automatically, just like rsync does. And you can actually tweak all this stuff. Uh, again, this command just changes these options in your EBIS config files. So you can change how many concurrent requests it's using, what the maximum queue size is, the threshold, the chunk size. And so if you play around with these, you can optimize. For example, you don't always want it to take up your whole um, pipe, right? Like, what if that's slowing down other things? So you, you, can, you can throttle it this way, um, or, or you can speed it up. So just something to know about. Uh, if you want to learn more about the rest of the S3 commands, you can type AWS help S3 config. Uh, there's all kinds of options in there. So that brings us to the end of the talk. So let's just do a recap here. So there's many ways to install the CLI on multiple platforms. So no matter what you're using, it's easy to use. Uh, take advantage of the helper features there. So help, tab completion, AWS shell, aliases, all the stuff we talked about to, so that you don't have to memorize CLI commands. Uh, make sure you take advantage of roles. Roles definitely uh, reduce security risk and MFA as well. And uh, I think they're a huge advantage, uh, huge value add for customers. Uh, you can do powerful parsing of your returns with querying, filtering, James path. So uh, get familiar with that, especially if you're doing some scripting. Um, if, if you need to put in parameters, don't forget about the CLI skeleton. And the S3 commands are super useful for data migration, for backups. Um, I use them all the time, super performant, probably the best way to interact with S3, in my opinion. Uh, if you want to learn more, so I think they've changed around the schedule a little bit, so just take a look. But there's a Dev 307 session coming up later this week. Uh, it is a 400-level CLI talk. It is given by a, a member of the team that writes the CLI. So if you want to learn more, go check that out. Uh, the website for the CLI is aws.amazon.com slash CLI. Uh, it has all the instructions all installed in there. Uh, you can connect with other developers. There's a CLI community forum. Again. It's a blue link, but you know, once, once it gets published to YouTube and you send the copies, you'll see where the link is, but you also if you just Google for it. And go to our documentation. Our documentation is really thorough. I mean, I use the CLI lab, but when I was putting together this talk, um, I was using the user guide to, to make these examples. Um, highly useful. Uh, check it out. I think you can actually get all our documentation in Kindles as well. Uh, but that is what I had for you today. So thank you for your time. And if you have any questions, uh, I'm just going to 
uh, go to the side here, so just feel free to come up and ask me. And I think we are at, we have about 13 minutes, and so if there's still questions after 13 minutes, we'll just step outside and continue them. But thank you for your time. Thanks for coming, everyone.